almost as though somebody had planned it. We're talking about um, the missionary church today. We've been looking at Acts and about the the story of the New Testament church growing and developing and um, trying, trying to sort of just get a grasp of what real church is like to a large extent. And Uh, One of the things we've been trying to do is explode some of the romanticized myths about the growth of the early church, Uh, but equally, on the other hand, trying to draw out from it what it is that was was setting the pattern for church that we need to be now. And one of those areas that we're seeing today is, is about the whole concept of mission and missionary. And uh, it's a good opportunity, really, to talk about that. So, my mother always used to say that your mission field is where you are. Your mission field is where you are. Um, Now, by that, she didn't mean find a really nice place where there's nobody for 40 miles round about you and go, right, okay, this is my mission field. Uh, and I'll stay right here in grumpy isolation uh, for now. That isn't what she meant. What she meant was, of course, that where we find ourselves placed, if indeed we don't feel ourselves sent, we're still on mission. There's no... And from today's reading, we can see that people who were scattered, we talked last week about persecution, the people who were scattered... Wherever it was they found themselves, then they spread the gospel. They they preached the good news. And what we can see is that that's universal in the early church. In the early church, one of the things that we need to learn from the early church is this. It was second nature to talk about Jesus. It was second nature to spread the word. And they were always on mission, whether they were sent and set apart whether they were scattered and running for their lives, whether they were moving around because of business, wherever they were, that was their mission field. So mission is what we do. Uh, uh, we, can, we can refer to people who we, we genuinely consider to be missionaries, such as Nikki and many others. But the idea that somehow because we have missionaries, we are therefore excused mission. No. Okay, so mission is one of these things, a bit like evangelism and a range of other stuff that we find difficult, and it suits us in the modern church to somehow work out a way to subcontract that to somebody else. Now, that's not a new concept. Can I just tell you this? In the pre-Reformation church when we had knights, um, they used to go off uh, and, and like killing people. Um, and uh, while they were away, they, they couldn't be bothered with anything devotional, so they just hired a priest. And the priest would pretty well do all the stuff that they considered to be necessary, and they sort of subcontracted them. So if God had any issue with anything they were doing, they were going, don't talk to me. I have, I have someone. Talk to them. As though somehow that worked. Now, I know you're sort of, or at least some of you, um, are smiling at the concept of this, but I'm just saying, what's the difference between that and a church hiring an evangelist and doing nothing themselves? 
What is the difference between that and finding some, you know, brave and, and devout and called people and sending them off to the mission field and ticking the mission box and thinking somehow the rest of us are now off the hook. Uh, and when that missionary or evangelist retires or moves on, the solution is not for us then to take up the baton, but in fact just to find somebody else to subcontract it to. This is not what the early church did, and the early church in this instance were absolutely right. Interesting, isn't it? Go and make disciples in all nations. That's what, that's what Jesus said to his church. Go to Nigeria. Go next door. Go to Afghanistan. Go to the next street. Make disciples in India. Make disciples in your own family. One we like it's a long way off in somebody else's job. The other one, on the other hand, wouldn't it be good if we could find somebody to employ? They'll, they'll tell my children about the gospel. I, I'll tell them that my street is very needy and they should go and visit some people. Uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? But there we go. But in fact, that isn't what Jesus said. Jesus very personally said this one thing, go, go. And we see the early church taking that literally and wherever they were, that was their mission field. Do you, do you know your mission field? Just asking you now, do you know your mission field? You're all looking at me blankly. I, I, I feel I haven't been that complicated so far, but okay, so... Um, your house, yeah? I will start with the basics. You know your house? I know it was a while back, but you remember being in it? Yeah, 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 okay. Um, proximity to your house. Other houses? Yeah. Any, yeah, yeah. People in those houses? Okay, um, yeah, okay. Um, your door, front door. You have a front door? Just, just checking. You have one? Does it have, and I'm going to be complicated now, does it have hinges? They are swingy things. Does it have them? Yeah. So when the, it opens, that's the technical phrase. I know we're getting a bit engineering-like now. It opens. Do people come into your house? Yeah? Okay. Let's try again then. Do you know your mission field? Yes. You do. Fantastic. How much mission in your mission field have you been doing recently? You don't have to answer that question. That's for you to answer. But I'm just asking, how much mission in your mission field have you been doing? Nikki, how much mission have you... You don't have to answer that. We've just seen how much mission in your mission field you've been doing. You're an inspiration to us all, and thank you for being here. How much mission in the Nigerian mission field is our Ian doing? Well, we know the answer to that. How much mission am I doing? How much mission are you doing? So here's the thing. I just want to tell you three things about the early church and the concept of missionary church. And these are for us as well. So number one, mission is our default position. Mission is actually our default position. 
So when the early church got scattered, and when they got scattered, let's assume that the, their various employees might have been scattered to other places, that their buildings that they had been meeting in are no longer available because they're a long way off, that their infrastructure is somewhat lost, potentially in the packing, even, God forbid, their constitution got lost. And they sit down and say, okay, there's just a few of us here. What do we do now? What on earth do we do now? Where do we start? And what is the early church's default position? Mission. If we don't know how to do anything else, we know that we are to talk to people about Jesus. If we don't know how we're supposed to organize ourselves, we don't know maybe what kind of social care programs we should have, we don't know, well, we know we have to start talking about Jesus. And one of the great things about talking about Jesus is once you start talking to people about Jesus, you start to see other areas of need, things that people need prayer for, things that people are doing without, people who are vulnerable, people who need protecting, uh, people who need to eat, people who need friendship, and so on. The rest, if you like, of church work doesn't take very long in coming once we start on our default position. That's the default position, for church is on mission. So, does it matter where the early church got scattered to? Did they go to relatives? Did they just think, okay, I am this kind of professional, where might there be business that's a bit safer than here? Uh, did, did they actually, you know, sort of say, well, I know there's some very nice people there, I'll go and, you know, sort of throw myself on their charity. I don't know what they did. We're not told any of this, but what we are told is that they spread the gospel. So, if we were in a time of transition, what are our priorities? What are the things you think of? Now, this is very relevant. Think of how many millions of people we have in the world at the moment that are displaced. And think of some of the responses. So, you're living in the middle of winter in a tent with small children in the mountains of Italy and on the verge of freezing to death. And according to some newspapers in Britain, we are not going to help you because you have a mobile phone. Therefore, you clearly don't need any help. There are some just truly appalling attitudes out there towards those who are vulnerable, which I've always struggled with, I've got to be honest. But what are the, what are the priorities? Catherine's uh, doing some study at the moment and she's been learning about Maslow. Who's heard of Maslow? Maslow has this hierarchy of needs and it starts with the very basics, food, shelter, water, um, protection, safety, if you like. Um, and those are, those are important, but what would our priorities be? Well, we've got to redecorate, and that kitchen's got to go, uh, and I don't like that flooring, and I've got to put a new kitchen in, yeah, and we'll probably have to tidy up the garden, and all of those are priorities. Are those our default priorities, or is it meet the neighbors, tell people about Jesus, let everybody know we're Christians? Is that our default position? Or in fact, is that on the list? You know those lists of things that we never quite get to? Have you ever, you know, I'm gonna buy that, I'm going to restore that, and it's gonna look gorgeous. 
And 20 years later, it's like, what is this old thing doing in the loft? Was it, oh yeah, yeah, I remember, right. Right, uh, is that where our gospel is? Or do we tell our neighbors? So spreading the gospel is our default position. That's our default position. Okay, number two, mission. Just so we know. So mission is the church's natural direction. This could be a little bit controversial because there are lots and lots of people with lots of views about what the church's natural direction ought to be. The church ought to be a social care agency. Well, I don't actually disagree with that, and you'd probably be surprised if I did. And one of my, the disappointments in, in my life is that in the, um, what is it now, 26 years that I've been alive, um, the, the, that wasn't entirely true. Um, the, the, the state has often overtaken what the church used to do in the community. And secular charities have overtaken what the church used to do in the community. And that's a real mission and gospel spreading opportunity missed. One of the exciting times or things about the times we live in now is a lot of that is fading and the door is open for churches, including ours, to step in and to deliver more and indeed have that greater relevance in the community. That's good, but and a lot of people think that is. There's a lot of people who think that our natural direction should always be in the pursuit of spiritual gifts. Now, equally, I don't disagree with this either, in that the church is less than if it is not pursuing spiritual gifts. Why would the Holy Spirit imbue power and opportunity for us not to use it? I don't know. I suppose the answer is much the same way as we could say to Christians, well, why did Jesus say, I'll build my church so that you didn't feel obliged to be part of it? But there you go. That's one of those things. Some people think that our church, that a church, the church's direction should always be to follow society, that we should be relevant to society. I have to honestly say that that's one of those advertising statements where I agree one half and I don't agree the other. And I do think the church ought to be relevant to society, but I don't think the way that the church should be relevant to society is by constantly flipping back and forward and following society's values all the time, just in the hope that we stay popular. That's not what we're supposed to do, but some people think that very much. Times have changed, values have changed, morality has changed. People don't think like this anymore. Okay, we know people don't think like this anymore. We've always known people don't think like this anymore. Is that an excuse for us? No, it isn't. But none of that is actually our natural direction. Our natural direction as church is mission. Our natural direction as church is mission. We are called to encourage, we meet together, encourage one another, spur one another on. This is what the writer to Hebrews says. Let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Now, here's the interesting thing. 
Often the grammar in this sense is misread because it says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. In other words, some people have got into the habit of no longer meeting together. And the writer of the Hebrews is saying, be careful of that habit of not meeting together. Get out of that habit and meet together so that you can encourage one another all the more, says the writer to the Hebrews, as they see the day approaching. So what is church for? And that's it. The church is for meeting together so that we spur each other on, encouraging each other to spread the gospel, to love others, to practice good deeds. We are outward, not inward. Thank you to the Listening God group today who are hearing God, in my view, spang on this morning. Thank you for that, that we are to look outward, not inward. Now, James tells us, well, what's the point of being nice to people if you don't do anything for their physical needs? I, and James has got a point. What's the point of going out and offering only what everybody else offers when we've got so much more. I agree. These are the things, but our natural direction has to be that. If we're in church, we're interested in living for Jesus. If we're living for Jesus, we're interested in reaching other people. If we're not interested, then why not just go live for yourself? Live for yourself. Why do we not do that? But what direction should the church be moving in? The church needs to move this way. Outward with the gospel. That's our default position. Outward with the gospel. Inwardly, we make disciples who will be outward with the gospel. So that's our job. Our job as church is to be the place where people get encouraged, people get taught, people get inspired. Uh, and then they don't come back next week and get taught and encouraged and inspired and 10 years from now taught, encouraged and expired and, uh, and never done anything. Did I say expired? I think I meant that. Um, yeah, because we can go round and round and round. We can go, we're not ready yet. We need more preparation. We need, no, we don't. We need boldness from the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. And that's not the same thing. That doesn't come in time. That comes with practice. So it's our natural direction. Mission is our natural direction. So it's our default position. And it's our natural direction. You are a missionary. I am a missionary. Does that mean that we devalue those uh, or by saying this, am I devaluing those who have stepped out and gone to strange and dangerous and difficult places? Not at all. How easy do you find mission? Right, so you're in a safe, cozy environment, same as me, and you find it hard. Think about how difficult it must be to be sent somewhere where, you know, your life is at risk, where your safety is in question, where culturally you're having to learn what is and isn't appropriate, and getting it wrong can have quite high stakes. Where possibly the culture of the church in the area that you're going to is actually opposed to what it is that you're coming to do. And that's not an easy one. Um, those of you who know me know I spent 10 years working with church culture in a, in a country that I, I wasn't native to, uh, trying to help the church to change its culture. 
not an easy thing to do. So there we go. But this is why we do it. This is where we, how we can go. It's our default position. It's our natural direction as a church, but it is our divine appointment. So church is divinely appointed to go and spread the gospel. So, spread the gospel wherever we are. Is it in Isaiah where it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Church's natural direction. But what about the places which need additional help? New places, difficult places, dangerous places. Anybody here got a difficult neighbor? I mean, you got a difficult neighbor? You don't have to put your hands up. I know where you live. <laughs> I can see your knowing smiles. Going, yeah, 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 I know who you mean. Yeah. Anybody have a difficult neighbor? Okay, there you go. You're already starting with the danger of mission with your difficult neighbor, let alone who's your difficult neighbor. Well, uh, he's a bit of a warlord with a lot of arms. That's even more so, but new places difficult. God sets people apart for some work, and in those difficult areas, it is our role as church to support them. That's our job. We are not being proper church if we are not friends and supporters of those who've stepped out into difficult and dangerous places on their own. It's our privilege and it's part of our work. But how do we ever relate to those who are on mission in that way if we ourselves are always avoiding mission ourselves? So we're not off the hook. Like I said, we're not here to subcontract our responsibilities. We are missioning by divine appointment. Jesus set us apart. Jesus set us the task. And Jesus has sent us to where we are. Where are you? That's where Jesus put you. Till he moves you somewhere else, that's your mission field. Sorry, Nicky, can't come home until he sends you home. Or maybe it's the other way around. I'm sorry, there's always the risk that he might send you home at some point. It's quite interesting. In fact, I don't know if you read the stories of people who've been missionaries in other countries. Sometimes the adjustment in coming home can be actually a very difficult thing. And uh, so, but where we are, that's where. So either we do our job or we don't do our job. Either we do our job or we don't do our job. And that's where you get it. Now, I did a course once at Bridge North College, me and Mike Heyman. Do you know Mike? Lots of people know Mike Heyman. Me and Mike Heyman, 140 years ago, went and did a bricklaying course at Bridge North College, which is now no longer, sadly, with us. Uh, so me and Mike Heyman went and did a bricklaying course at Aldi's, uh, so you know where it is. And, uh, and we learned to lay bricks, and it was very, very useful. He used it a lot, I've used it a lot, it's fantastic. Now, we were having... Uh, a new conservatory put on our house quite a long time ago. And uh, there's a very, very steep bank at the bottom. And to hold it up, we needed to use big, heavy concrete blocks. And uh, so we were trying to get people to come and do this work for us. And, and quite a lot of workers let us down. Eventually, a friend of mine said he knew somebody who was a bricklayer who would come and do this for us. Now, I'd laid foundations and I'd laid the base with these blocks 
for the retaining wall to go on. And this guy turned up, and he laid this wall in less than a day all the way around the side of the house, all the way up, and he was putting these blocks on like runny mortar and sliding them into place. And I was just watching in absolute awe. And I thought, so that's how you do it, I thought. So when I was doing the garden retaining wall, I'll, I'll put sloppy plaster out, which I did, and then I'd, I'd put down the thing and basically all the plaster ran out the sides and it still wouldn't, I've still no idea how he did this. I have no idea how he did this. But what I will tell you is this, doing a bricklaying course told me how fantastically good he was. I was more able to appreciate how good he was from having learned how to do it myself, not like that, than I was. And I'm saying the same. We have a better appreciation of the mission and the missionary if we ourselves are trying to do mission. We are more engaged with supporting missionaries if we ourselves are trying to do mission. We don't engage with missionaries when we think, yeah, it's their job. You know, plumber, carpenter, teacher, missionary, we know. I don't have weekly prayer meetings for people who are teaching in schools. Maybe we should. So therefore, it's just their job. We've subcontracted it, get on. Fit that kitchen, convert that country. You know what I mean? It's your job, get on with it. And if we are that disengaged with what the role is, then we are not understanding. But this is not the case. We have already been on quite a long mission college course already. There comes a time when we ought to lay a few bricks. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So here we are. So perhaps mission makes you feel fearful or uncomfortable. Maybe it does. But here is the divine appointment. And we see this again. That we, when we are appointed by Jesus, we are empowered by Jesus. So notice Peter, uh, Philip. And what we said last week, preach the gospel and what follows? Signs and wonders. Signs and wonders follow the gospel. Preach the gospel, signs and wonders follow. Because God empowers us to do it. He gives us that divine appointment and then doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't occasionally turn up with a cup of tea and tell us we're doing a good job. But he in fact gives us the power to do the job. And if we want to see signs and wonders, we need to spread the gospel because signs and wonders follow the gospel. Because we need the power. But that's exciting, isn't it? I want to see signs and wonders. Great. Get on mission. Go next door. Follow the gospel. It's amazing. It's fantastic. I remember once, worked down in London, um, ooh, long, long time ago. And we, we were working in this uh, housing estate for Youth for Christ. Uh, and there was a port cabin. They were going to build a building with the old Manpower Services Commission. Who remembers them? Anyway, we were gonna, uh, but at the moment, we're building this port cabin. And in this port cabin, we had to put shutters up every night, big heavy shutters, or the whole place would get trashed. Absolutely trashed. Anyway... We've been going for about four months, and this geezer came in, big guy, about my age now, not my age then, and said to us, 
Uh, I don't know if you do this, but I'm looking for some help because my wife's gone missing. And we did sort of all sorts of aid and advice. And actually, to be honest, we could do some missing person stuff if we wanted. But anyway, I said to him, so what have you done? And he'd been through all the channels and everything. Um, so we were thinking, well, we'd really like to help him. And the reason I say we'd really like to help him was that he was one of the senior enforcers for one of the big East End of London gangs. So he was a big enforcer. That's what he did. We worked on a housing estate, which was like that. Um, so anyway, we thought, okay, well, well, it'd be nice to just engage this guy. So we prayed. We said, well, we don't know what else to do, all the things we do. So we'd like to pray with you. And the guy said, yes, which was quite interesting. So we did. So we started praying. And as we were praying, we believe God said this. God said, you will see your wife in three days. You will see your wife in three days. That's all we said to him. We believe God has said, you will see your wife in three days. Now, who knows? She could have been on the run. She could have been in protective custody. She could have been turning Queen's evidence. She could be doing all sorts of things. She could be dead. But we, we believed that, so we said. Anyway... Three days later, the guy phones up and says, my wife has come home. Like to have a chat with you guys about maybe how we might sort things out. Which was exciting, wouldn't it? Do you know the other exciting thing? All the vandalism stopped. When we put up this building, it got eight foot plate glass windows at the front and they never got touched. God knows what he's doing, doesn't he? God knows what he's doing. But what I'm saying to you is this, signs and wonders follow the gospel. Signs and wonders follow the gospel. Preach the gospel, see signs and wonders. Maybe not immediately. So we run up to a stranger and go, do you want to know Jesus? No, good. And then think, right, right, that's it. (laughs) Thank you for that Jesus, I want a healing ministry. (laughs) That's not what I mean, and I'm sure you know that. But signs and wonders follow the gospel. And do they? Yes, they do. Do we have faith for that? Well, we ought to because we are on divine appointment. Are the signs and wonders all those ones we define? No. No. Is an end to vandalism high on your signs and wonders list? Well, listen, if you're working somewhere that's getting vandalized, believe me, it goes up. God knows what we need. God knows where we are. And the circumstances we find ourselves in, God is equal to it. What happens if someone comes in and has all manner of difficulties and we don't know what to do? Well, we don't run away. We pray because signs and wonders follow the gospel. Just to say. Okay. So, We need to see ourselves as missional. We need to understand that our default position, wherever we are and whatever we do, is to be missionary. We need to understand that this is the direction that our church, and indeed any church, and the church in Bridge North and the church Britain, this is the divine direction that we are called to be on. We are called to be missional. So hopefully, as a church, (laughs) 
That's the direction we're trying to go. And all the things that come with that. So that includes doing things in the community, meeting needs, partnering with others, living a lifestyle that has generosity and hospitality in it, not being afraid to speak out when we need to speak out. But it also includes spiritual business. We need to tell people about Jesus. We need to own up. We need to fly the flag. We need to be doing that. It also means that we are to meet together and encourage one another. And as we meet together, we need to be an encouragement for those who have stepped out on our behalf in other difficult places and not neglect them. This is our direction. This is what we need to do. But we are not alone. We are doing this by divine appointment. God has empowered us to do this. What does Jesus promise? I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, default, direction, divine appointment. This is the church missionary. You are the church missionary. We are the church missionary. Our challenge is we either do our job or we don't do our job. We either encourage and spur one another on or we provide each other with the necessary excuses. But at the end of the day, as a church, our direction has to be that by divine appointment, if nothing else, we will tell people about Jesus. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, just want to thank you. I want to thank you that you give us a life which has purpose and direction. You give us a, a simple task. Lord, you simplify our lives when we come to you. You set us free. And by your Holy Spirit, you empower us to move forward, whatever the difficulties and whatever the challenges. Lord, you build us together as a body to support and encourage one another, to be church together so that we can be on mission together. Lord, just pray that you really uh, enable us to enter in, to be bold and to be courageous to be obedient, but also, Lord, to be joyful that we are about our Father's business, that we are doing what it is that we were built to do, that we are delivering, Lord, what it is that we were called to do. We're following where we were told to follow, and that we are entering into the power of being in your divine appointment. Lord, help us to be more mindful of those who stand out and go difficult places. Lord, we thank you for Nikki being with us, and we thank you for the work that she's doing and the whole work of SIM in that area. Lord, help us to be more faithful. We pray for Ian as he's out there. Give him peace, give him safety, and those round about. Lord, but make us clear that our identity is that we are sent. We are on mission. Lord, we are your people, and we belong to Jesus. We just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.